I've had dogs. You have? Doggy Chow. Oh, I used to love Doggy Chow. <laughs> I used to love Doggy Chow too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Girl Blogger, the podcast. I've been wanting to do this for a while, but I've honestly just been such a lazy, dumb bitch, and I just haven't done it. But I really should because. You know, the truth is podcasts are so easy and like that's why everyone has it because it's like kind of bullshit. But, you know, it's like also very entertaining when you're driving or you're just, you know, not working at work. So, yeah, I want to fill that void for everyone by having you guys listen to me ramble and rant and, you know, be like cunty about everything going on in the world, whether it be pop culture, celebrities, um, you know, any new news stories that I'm interested in, pretty much anything in line with what I post on Instagram. Definitely going to talk about current things, but also things of the past. Um, you know, certain episodes will focus on specific things, whether it be a movie coming out or a TV premiere or finale, a certain show or fashion, um, you know, when fashion week comes around or, um, you know, kind of just whatever's the moment is really what I'm going for. And I'm going to do a lot of episodes where it is just me because I can't schedule a fucking guest every week. That's just so hectic and chaotic. And I, when I did a podcast previously, we did try to get a guest every week. And that was honestly the hardest part because, you know, everyone's schedule is different. And, you know, if I'm doing it just many of the episodes, just me, it's just a hell of a lot easier that being said, I do want to get people on because just hearing me talk all the time is not going to be, you know, that interesting. Like, eventually you're going to want to hear other people's opinions, as do I. So I am going to have guests, but not every episode. And yeah, so I guess that kind of is all I can think of as to what the podcast is going to be. It's going to be very Dear Diary, if you will, kind of Carrie Bradshaw vibes. Um... And, well, let's talk about what I want to do this first episode, so you can probably see from the title. This is going to be covering the one and only, the unforgettably busty Anna Nicole Smith and this new documentary that's out on Netflix uh, that I was so excited to see the trailer for a few weeks ago. It is called Anna Nicole Smith, You Don't Know Me. And this is really in line with the... Pamela Anderson Netflix doc that came out earlier this year and then there was the Brooke Shields one on Hulu both of those were very amazing and well done and great documentaries I guess the big difference with th with this one being is that bitch is dead I mean you know not to be morbid and offensive but uh yeah Anna Nicole Smith is no longer with us whereas those two sex icons are very much with us and they were both interviewed but obviously Anna Nicole was not so that's the big distinction I'd say here um what was my biggest takeaway with this with this Netflix documentary yeah I guess it would be that the title Anna Nicole Smith you don't know me and the reason that is my biggest takeaway is because I I guess I really didn't know her there was so much I learned in this documentary that was quite shocking and surprising and interesting like, being a big Anna Nicole Smith stan, I really thought I knew a lot of the details about her, but apparently not. So, yeah, let's just dive right into this just fascinating documentary. First of all, I want to say that, like, how the hell does all these 90s people, or even before that, all this archival, like, video footage people are taking, like, are people really recording that much? Like, my parents certainly were not. Like, if I ever die and anyone wants to collage together video footage of me from my childhood like my my mother will have nothing to present like bitch did not have a camcorder or uh whatever to record us while we were like swimming in kiddie pools like that did not happen well and i guess anna nicole smith didn't have as many from her like early early childhood but like you get it like there was plenty of 90s footage of her like you know bopping around in texas 
And so she was born in Houston, apparently, but then she said she was born in Mejia. I'm not sure if those are interchangeable, but um, yes, technically she was born in Houston, according to her Wikipedia, and no father, which like classic daddy issues, which, you know, elaborate that on, on more on that later. And uh, her mom was named Virgie, and she was a police officer. Very interesting, but I guess that was kind of, maybe that was kind of standard for the time in Texas, but I can't really speak to that, but that's just me making an assumption. I feel like it was. And according to her, her home life was not good. But um, again, the way that the documentary set up, they really drop those little things in the beginning because they do a big, you know, full circle moment at the end, which I'll elaborate on. And uh, she apparently doesn't get along with her mom. It's constantly going over to like her uncle's house or something. And there's some brief interviewing of him. You know, he's just like so classic, like cowboy podunk vibes, but kind of cute, you know, and like apparently he loved her. So that's sweet. So she would like run away from her mom to like go stay the night at them with them I guess and uh she dropped out of school early as one does when you're you know like hot and bored in this bullshit town and she's like ready to bust out and instead of leaving Texas right away which you might think she did instead she decides to marry a guy named Billy Wayne when she's working at this fried chicken place which is like hilarious but also kind of amazing but it's like so why would you marry this guy if you want to get the fuck out and then the reason being is because she reveals oh I was so lonely and like not that she really wanted a man like she kind of was smart in realizing that like right away like men will not fulfill you maybe that's because her dad left or whatever or she basically just is like, you know, like, I ain't banking on putting all my eggs with a man, so I don't need a man to not be lonely. She decides she needs a baby to not be lonely. So pretty much what I gathered is she marries this guy, Billy Wayne, and gets pregnant, and as soon as she has the baby, is basically like, fuck off, and like, they really have nothing on this Billy Wayne guy, and I tried Googling it, like, he's never done an interview, like, there's really not much to find about this guy other than like he's the father of her baby and she was married to him and had kind of like an overarching very fascinating thing about this whole documentary is that she never really had a real relationship like all of her relationships were very unconventional very kind of bizarre and yeah, she never had, like, a great love, so to speak, which is very interesting because I feel like, especially during that time, that's what a lot of women were striving for, but not this, not Anna Nicole. Oh, who, by the way, is named Vicky Lynn Hogan is her birth name, but then when she fucked and married the Billy Wayne guy for the baby, um, her last name changed to Smith. So it was Vicky Lynn Smith for a while. So after she has the baby, I guess he's like a toddler at this point, And she's like, okay, now I'm really going to get the ball rolling. going to get the money flowing. So she hits the strip club and she's like, I'm ready to be a stripper. And there's this bitch, Missy, who is her good friend. That's like probably the best person they're interviewing in this entire uh, documentary. Cause she like gives a lot of good tea. And so in walks Anna Nicole Smith to the trip club. Uh, strip club but she's still Vicky at this point but she already hates her name Vicky and she likes the name Nikki better so that's what she's going by for her stripper name and Missy is kind of fascinated with her right off the bat because she's like okay this bitch can't dance however like she is so good at manipulating men like she's just instantly making so much money uh, right off the bat at the strip club, like, she says they're making, like, two. if you had 200 bucks a night, that was a really bad night, and this is, like, in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, so, like, yeah, whatever that money was worth back then. So, basically, they're making, like, upwards of $400 every time they're stripping, so, you know, making thousands and thousands of dollars a month, and so Missy and Anna Nicole apparently really hit it off, so much to the point where they're kind of, like, pseudo lesbians that was another very interesting thing about this documentary that i learned 
about Anna Nicole Smith is that she had a very long ongoing like both friendship business relationship whatever like Missy was kind of her like unofficial assistant for a while and they were like they don't go into graphic detail but apparently they were like fucking like these I don't know like again no graphic details but like they were hooking up for sure and Missy multiple times is like oh I was in love with Anna I was in love with Anna so yeah that was like a real thing and like don't doubt it like love Anna Nicole Smith and like whatever but like I don't know if she was like a full-on lesbian but maybe that um contributed to her like not ever really wanting like a full real conventional relationship is because maybe she just wasn't really attracted to men but also like wasn't about to be like oh I'm a full lesbian who knows maybe she was bisexual like it's kind of giving like like Crystal Connors and Nomi Malone showgirls energy like is what I'm envisioning I guess not as like toxic and hostile but kind of like that like are they both into it like is this lesbians is just is this just for the male gaze like unclear kind of but yeah so that was a really interesting thing they get to talking and Missy's like oh my childhood was shit like I was so hard growing up like blah 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 and Anna's like yeah me too like there was abuse there was like you know sexual abuse and all that and Missy says I had no reason not to believe her so that kind of gives the audience like oh what's going on here is is this a lie but then they also again don't fully do the full circle telling of that until the ending so it was kind of just like an eyebrow raise at that and Anna Anna tells Missy I'm gonna be a big star I'm gonna be a model and Missy's like okay whatever but then like lo and behold like things start coming along and as she's starting to you know really get noticed uh she oh sorry I have to include a very important detail she tells Missy the only thing holding me back is my tits because she apparently was flat chested I don't know like what cup size she was pre boob job but she's like all I need is a boob job and again Missy's like okay whatever but then she gets a boob job and weirdly enough this seems to like actually really be the thing that activates Anna Nicole like every once she gets the tits like things really just fall into place first of all being that she meets J. Howard Marshall, the billionaire something tycoon. I don't know what he does, but he has a lot of money. Like, he's a billionaire, as which Missy also <laughs> makes that distinction. She's like, billionaire with a B, not a millionaire. Like, kind of stupid, but kind of love it at the same time. Because, like, she's right. Like, how many billionaires were there, like, going to, like, sleazy strip clubs in Texas? Which is also a question I have, like, what was that first encounter? Like, did he just wheel in to the strip club on his wheelchair? Like, how did J. Howard Marshall find himself in the strip club? Like, that first interaction? Like, I would love to know where, like, what that meeting was like. And, like, what did they talk about? Who the fuck knows? But, you know, as we all know, they created a pretty serious relationship with each other right off the bat. Like, her and J. Howard were you know in it and so that was at 1991 that they met and that they first started their relationship and he immediately like buys her this amazing house in texas her kid is like a toddler by now like we see her riding horses she's like topless on the horses it's a whole it's kind of an amazing moment that she's already having and what's kind of great and you got to give it to anna nicole is she, like she really could have just stopped there like you meet this billionaire and he buys you a house like you're kind of set right there but bitch is like no like i'm just getting started and she, i mean i guess she was she was so young still at this point and uh j howard marshall allegedly really wanted to marry her right then and there but she was like no i'm i don't want to be seen as a gold digger i need to make a name for myself which like you'd think was you know hooey but apparently there was some truth to it because that is what she did so after he buys her the house she's just kind of you know like being fabulous and whatever and I guess quit stripping sometime in there because like when you're hooking up with a billionaire or who knows if they ever actually had sex but like if you're pseudo dating a billionaire you don't really need to strip anymore so she stopped and then that's when she sent in her photos to Playboy. 
and this woman that they interview from Playboy looks like she's about to die at any second. She's, like, so old, but, like, still kind of fabulous looking. She's giving, like, a Sissy Spacek vibe. I'm not sure if it's a nose job or not. Kind of, like, same with Sissy Spacek. Like, I think that is Sissy Spacek's real nose, but it's just, like, such a interesting looking nose that you're like nose job no whatever but anyway this woman's kind of funny and she's just like oh yeah Anna like she was ample to say the least like so those tits were huge but um so they're like she's already like oh I want this girl to be a playmate which like back then being a playmate was like pretty prestigious if you will and I guess you know you kind of had to work your way up to it but they already were like oh this bitch is it like she's definitely gonna be a playmate and so she did she was like first she was on a cover not by her original by her old name vicky smith i believe and she does playboy everyone loves her she's on a cover and the ball starts rolling from there and uh after that first cover paul marciano from guess guess jeans apparently is looking at playboy and is like oh my god who's this bombshell like hello and calls that same decrepit like old woman at playboy and is like i need that cover girl and the woman's like from playboy is like oh you're gonna make her the next claudia schiffer because claudia schiffer was a guest model um prior to anna nicole being a guest model so then uh uh anna nicole does guess and we have all seen those photos they're like pretty legendary if you ask me like honestly i would say those photos are like definitely probably like top 50 or top 20 like most iconic hot like uh you know just like most iconic hot girl photos in history probably like especially the one on the bed with like the diamonds and like her pinky in her mouth like it's just a whole vibe and it's amazing and paul marciano is like oh your name is like kind of embarrassing vicky lynn smith like no thank you so they were kind of thinking of other names for her and Missy, her friend, is like, I love the name Anna. And then Anna already liked the name Nicole and I think Paul Marciano kind of like put them together and Anna Nicole Smith was born from Guess and that's how she was um, branded for Guess. And then by that time she was getting to be Playmate of the Year for Playboy and so she was Anna Nicole Smith then. So yeah, so she's just like really you know, hitting the ground running and, like, you know, making a lot of money. I'm sure, like, even though she was a new model, like, those things pay. And just, like, the publicity she immediately got from them was just crazy. I wonder how much someone gets for being Playmate of the Year. I don't know. But, um, so she was Playmate of the Year for 1993, and she was succeeded by Jenny McCarthy, who was Playmate the following year. So that's just a little fun fact. Oh, and also during this, I think... They didn't include this in the documentary, but somewhere in there around this exact same time, she did a modeling campaign for H&M that was featured in Sweden, and it's also pretty hot, but um, apparently the ads were just, like, so hot in Sweden, and maybe, like, word didn't travel over to who she was then, so it was, like, a big surprise, this, like, hot blonde, I think she was in, like, lingerie or just something skimpy, I'm sure. Uh, her ads were causing car accidents in Sweden, so lol. I mean, goals. So that's pretty great. But um, yeah, so the money's rolling in. So she's creating a name for herself here, just like she wanted to do, and as she told Jay Howard. So that's what I thought was like pretty cool and interesting, that she's like, oh, she really is like doing what she set out to and still is not married to Jay Howard at this time. This is like, yeah, 1993, as I said. And so things just really get going. And then she gets a movie offer and she has like this bit part where she literally just like meows. I've never seen the whole movie, but they play the clip and I've seen photos like she looks incredible for like a pretty the Coen brothers. So like, fuck, yeah, like that's a legit movie. She's like Tim Robbins girlfriend. She plays a model named Zaza. And yeah, so that's her first movie. And then, oh, I just love this so much. So she then, there's like this footage of her like talking business on the phone. And this was right around when The Mask, the Jim Carrey film was getting made. And apparently she was, and I had read this before, but like I thought it was just like an idea with the producers or something. I didn't realize how serious it was that Anna Nicole Smith was supposed to be 
the lead Cameron Diaz role. I thought that it was just an idea, but no, apparently they very much offered it to her. Like it was Anna's role, according to this clip that they show in the documentary. And she's like, oh, oh my God. She's on the phone with, who knows, someone discussing the movie. She's like, it's so embarrassing, but like they only offered me 50K for the movie and I'm the lead role. So like, yeah, which like, is insane because it's insane because back then it's just odd how like inflation is so obvious as to what it is but like that's a lot of fucking money for like your first lead role like to put it in perspective I know a girl uh who I'm friends with that was a lead in a very big horror franchise uh that just got rebooted you know I think first one was like a few years ago but anyway, like, she wasn't the most established actress, but still, you know, leading final girl next to the actual lead of the film. And she only got paid, I believe, 10K, I think, for that first movie. And then I'm sure, like, there's three of them. So she probably got more after that. But still, like, you just agree to that. So the fact that she's, like, poo pooing 50K is just, like, so hilarious to me i mean i guess she was just making a lot of money stripping and then as we also know and we'll see the amounts that jay howard was apparently throwing at her were just unreal so basically anna has a very skewed view of the value of a dollar at this point but it's also just funny to me because it's like oh like it's just so different and not in a good way now like they really are not paying actors and writers apparently which is why the writer's strike is going on Anyway, she doesn't get that movie. They don't really say exactly why it didn't work out. Maybe because of scheduling. Because, oh, she does say, like, they're shooting at the same time. And she was in Naked Gun, Final Insult, the movie. She was like, oh, Naked Gun and Mask are shooting at the same time. I have to pick one. She was in Naked Gun, the third installment of it. And, uh, yeah, Cameron Diaz ended up getting the role that she was originally supposed to do. Apparently, Cameron Diaz had to audition like 12 times or something because she was just total unknown that's actually her first movie credit another fun fact first movie Cameron Diaz was ever in was The Mask and so then she kind of does some other bad movies and they just don't really go anywhere I remember this one Skyscraper is like basically a lowbrow version of Die Hard where she's just like flailing around in a skyscraper and like shooting everyone and just like looking really hot and I think there's like a nude shower scene where it's like just like it's basically just like her and her boobs like the whole movie just like with explosions and there's like a helicopter it's kind of amazing I mean it should really get like some more like cult following I think but maybe it's just too bad to have that anyway I think she was kind of seeing like oh Again, like, maybe Anna Nicole was a lot smarter than we thought in that, like, she was very, like, good at foretelling what move to make next in the sense of, like, understanding, like, where her popularity was at that time. So I think maybe she was gathering that, like, oh, I'm not the best actress. Like, this isn't as steady as I thought it might be. So let's try and get some security. And with that thought... She marries J. Howard Marshall in 1994. So I don't know where or how often they saw each other in those several years that she was kind of like working and whatever, but they very much were in contact to the point where now she's like, okay, I'm sure she told him like, I've established myself, like I'll marry you now. And so they do, they get married and like those photos are just like so beyond iconic. Like I'd, I'd actually argue those are even more iconic than her guest photos. Like, those wedding photos of her looking like with her like tits out to here and just like blonde and so hot in that kind of traditional wedding gown and he is literally like on death's door in that wheelchair next to her and like holding her Ugh, it's just high camp at its finest like but it's real like you just really can't get better than that and so they're married uh, but during this time, the the lawyer pops into frame on uh, the or Anna's lawyer that is pops into frame in this documentary and is kind of like giving more tea on like what's going down with her and Jay Howard, and she's very team Anna. You can tell, which like 
I mean, of course she is, but like basically like, oh, like they were really great together. Like they actually had like a genuine connection, like all things were real. And they also play some really interesting clips of Jay Howard speaking um, where it shows that he very much did want Anna to have a lot. He was like, this is my wife. Like, I want her to have everything. Like, so that was his intention. Cause I always kind of doubted that because as you find out later, uh, Anna says that Jay Howard verbally agreed to leave half of her estate to her, which like, you know, who would ever know if that's true, but based on all these recordings we hear of Jay Howard, like, I definitely believe that now, like, he fully just wanted this bitch to have his money, and we learn that, uh, the real issue is that his son Pierce, who's worked for him, and, like, of course, he's probably, like, who the fuck is this, like, bitch walking in, like, oh god just imagining like living your whole life working for your father probably just like doing like so many like thankless tasks for him and just not receiving the praise you want and being his own child and then fucking Anna Nicole Smith like waltzes in and is like almost gonna take half of your father's fucking fortune like of course he was pissed but also like even with that like I'm kind of like girl boss Anna you know what I mean like you're kind of still on her side even though like I'm sure if you were really in it like and you were one of Jay Howard's kids like I would just have a full-blown meltdown knowing that like my you know father's fortune could be handed out this to this um playboy playmate that he's known for like uh, I don't know like three and a half years at this point so yeah so pierce is in control of the money now as like kind of makes sense because jay howard's like like i think he like is 90 yeah they were 89 when he got married so he turns 90 quick after they get married and so pierce and whoever else is like in charge of jay howard's finances because jay howard's just too fucking old to work anymore you know so like somebody has to like figure things out so here's the real kicker Jay Howard dies, you know, he's old as fuck, and Anna is not in the will. Well, that is tricky because it's like, huh, if Jay Howard's not in control of his money, how control was he in of his will and any other, like, you know, documents, uh, you know, in relation to allocating his wealth after um, he died? So, like, maybe Anna really was entitled to a lot more and whatever, you know, documents or things that Jay Howard wanted to be done weren't because Pierce didn't allow it, which kind of makes more sense as to why this went to trial. Before I was kind of like, isn't it kind of an open and shut case? Like, bitch wasn't in the will, you know, but like, I guess not. And like, great. So like, maybe she was entitled to it, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you want the dead to, you know, have their wishes fulfilled after they pass. And, you know, clearly he wanted Anna to have something. However, sorry, just to insert another little thing. He did apparently at one point they say he had given her $14 million over the course of their relationship, thinking that that would be plenty for her. And like, it would be like, this is what, this is what I'm wondering. If he bought her a house and took care of all these things for her and then on top of that was giving her all this money like what is she spending it on like she's I don't think she's buying a million cars she's I don't know if she's buying a million other properties I don't think she is like is she literally just spending all this money like on like diamonds at Neiman Marcus like where is the millions going that he had allegedly given her so yeah that's just a big question mark I had but so then the court gets going it's, you know, Smith versus um, Marshall because, so she's going up against Pierce, his son. And she's like, yeah, he left me half. Like, fuck you. Like, you probably tainted the documents and, like, loved my husband. And I mean, she is, like, very sweet. You see in the beginning of the trial, like, she's kind of, it also, another side note, like, is kind of interesting to me how well-spoken Anna is in a lot of these interviews because I feel like, we as millennials are so tainted by when she went up, which I'll talk about again, 
when we get to it, the Kanye West presentation when she's like, beautiful do I Like, she just seems like so like aggressively pilled out all the time during that era that like she couldn't really speak normally. So that's just kind of what I have imprinted in my mind as to how Anna Nicole Smith talked. But she really was not like that before all this and could really, you know, speak a lot. But anyway, in her opening thing, she's like, yeah, I loved this man. Like, it wasn't like a sexy relationship, but like it was more like a fatherly, like loving family relationship. Like he provided for me and all this stuff and seems off to a good start. And everyone thinks that like it was like nine women on the jury and everyone's like they're going to side with Anna and a lot of Pierce's lawyers were like, oh, fuck, like, is she really going to like just get half? Which, actually, at the end of the day, even if she did get half, which is, like, over $400 million, the family still also has over $400 million. So, like, yeah, granted, that won't last as many generations, but, like, you're still fucking set. I think they just didn't really want, like, Anna to take the fortune, which is, like, fair, but also, like, I don't know. They could have just let a girl boss girl boss, but they didn't. And uh, so, yeah. So then the uh, Pierce's lawyers is, like, okay, we just need to make Anna kind of look like an idiot and not, like, like basically we're not going to berate her and yell at her because, like, then people will feel bad for her and it's more likely that she'll win. So they kind of did, like, a little bit of, you know, clever questioning for Anna, and Anna fell for it, sadly. And she was she would say kind of outrageous things. Like, I remember I posted this one clip one time of her being like, well, he only gave me 100K for my Christmas, and they're like, what and she's like well yeah like that wasn't a lot like he threw money at me so like 100k wasn't a lot and they're like oh and then um and like to a jury I'm sure they were like I mean it's just like infuriating even hearing that like you know even being whoever no one's getting 100k for their Christmas and uh then another more famous line from it is she was like oh it's horrible being me like all the dresses, all the makeup, it's just very expensive to be me. You know, like, maybe that's where that Real Housewives bitch got that idea for the song. But, um, yeah, so it just isn't really a good look for Anna. Like, she's basically pleading it as though, like, oh, I need this money to live, which is just comical. Like, no one needs $400 million to continue their glamorous lifestyle what she should have done is been more like, oh, like, this were his well wishes. Like, I'm just trying to fulfill out his wishes, focusing more on him. But instead, no, she kind of fell for their tactic for her to just kind of reveal herself as just kind of wanting to continue on this lifestyle that Jay Howard was setting before her. So anyway, she loses that first uh, legal battle. So that was pretty devastating for her because for whatever, like... Uh, you know, her expenses are, she can't pay them anymore because that was all Jay Howard's money. So she loses and she has to file for bankruptcy. And here's an interesting thing that they actually don't mention, or they do, but they like don't really mention it enough. Um, she actually did get half the fortune for a brief amount of time. So I'm just going to read this from the Wikipedia. Um, in September 2000, a Los Angeles bankruptcy, so this is after she filed for bankruptcy, so this is the bankruptcy court, so maybe they just wanted to like, I don't know, maybe this was for the sake of the state of California, I'm not sure, but in September 2000, a Los Angeles bankruptcy judge awarded Smith 449 million dollars, or basically $449 million, I can't read numbers, whatever. Um, and that was the amount of half of his estate, essentially. However, in 2001, Houston Judge Mike Wood affirmed the jury's findings in the probate case by ruling that Smith was entitled to nothing, and the judge was ordered to pay over $1 million to cover legal costs and the expenses of Pierce Marshall. Okay, and then the conflict between the Texas Probate Court and California Bankruptcy Court judgments forced the matter into federal court. So that's, I mean, it's just a bunch of legal hullabaloo that's kind of hard to understand. But basically, I don't even know. I guess it was just a few months that she, like, did have some of that money. But then, like, it was immediately, re like, retracted. Like, I wonder what that looks like, like, in a bank or, like, 
whatever it's just like insane but so she was given it but then not but then like kept fighting for it i guess they just like kept doing appeals and everything and like the legal battles went on you know until you know we'll see until the end of it all but the legal battles keep going i guess they keep doing appeals and there's just kind of you know legal bullshit loopholes that whatever they all keep going during this time she's just kind of like not sure what to do because her life is filled up with all this fucking legal bullshit and then i love how everything references uh anytime like people get talking about reality tv like was the osbournes just the first reality show because they always reference like the osbournes the osbournes had such such success like i remember they like when newlyweds came out they were like oh well the osbournes did it so like that's where we're gonna do newlyweds or like uh you know with laguna beach and whatever and it's like well the osbournes had such success with this and then like all these other people so like let's do this reality show so i guess the osbournes and that success was really just uh you know launching pad for so many other uh great reality shows but it's like were they the first like i don't know but anyway so with the success of the osbournes again E! Network is like, okay, like, they're doing great with that. Like, who could we put on our channel? And they're like, oh, everyone loves Anna Nicole Smith. So Anna Nicole Smith is uh, offered this reality show, and she goes to an old friend, and she's like, should I do it? And the old friend is like, uh, absolutely not, Anna. They're just going to make fun of you the whole time. And she's like, hmm, okay. And so then she agrees to do the show, and the show initially is kind of weird because – they're like who's gonna be on it and the only person they're like certain is gonna be on it is this guy Howard Stern who is not the radio host journalist Howard Stern a different man named Howard Stern who's also been her lawyer for a while and they also have like a weird like romantic but not romantic relationship it's very strange like because he's not gay clearly but like he's obviously in love with Anna but like she's not really vibing it but like she is but again like is Anna a lesbian like going back to whatever oh and by this time Missy has just like peaced out she's like you're too much of like an egomaniac I can't handle you whatever oh and also by this time Anna's like pretty hooked on prescription drugs like she's been hooked on them pretty much since she got her boob job so like a long time and this is when she starts to get really, like, slurry. And she's really gained, like, some weight in this time. Like, it's kind of sad and, like, also just odd and interesting to think about, like, weight perception and, like, what was considered big back then and what's considered big now. Like, she was really not that big. Like, I don't know, like, what dress size she was. Like, maybe, like, a 12 or 14. But she was also, like, really tall and had, like huge tits so like she was never really that big it's funny to even like it's kind of reminds me of like nicole richie and when we thought she was big uh back in like the early seasons of the simple life and it's like bitch was like a size two like she was short as fuck and like not fat but whatever so like everyone thinks like oh jesus anna you're so fat and like the show gets going and it has great ratings because i mean it's absurd oh but the reason i was saying it's kind of weird off the bat is because so howard is on it but he's the only locked in person because he's really the only locked in person in her life so then they have to cast all these random people in it and it's basically just like a slew of gay guys and i remember bobby trendy was also on the show but he's not featured in the documentary which is interesting because i'm like where the fuck are you bobby did you just not agree to be on this show is he still alive oh god i don't know but anyway he's not featured in the documentary and so it's just like all these gay guys and her like being wacky and crazy like i remember one episode she like gets set up on this like obviously like joke of a like not real blind date and they go to like a um you know a hibachi like a benihana's type restaurant and she's just like i wanted to be a ballerina but my feet were too big it's kind of giving like glammed up honey boo boo vibes like the whole show honestly but like it was kind of it was great like early reality television for sure so like she was a perfect cast member for that so like during this she's doing the show like everyone's just kind of like you're a joke you're too fat apparently she did an episode of veronica's closet at some point like right before this which i'd love to see that like old kirstie alley show like where's that footage but um so the show launches in 2002 and it's like goes on for a few seasons i think 
And so during this time, yeah, everyone's so honed in on her weight and she, Howard Stern, not her, uh, like, fictional, or not fictional, her, like, pseudo-boyfriend but not boyfriend. The other Howard Stern, the, the more famous one, the radio host, is talking about how fat she is and he's like, I think she weighs 300 pounds. Like, who thinks I'm close? And everyone's, like, agreeing with him? I'm like... Like, I doubt that Anna was even close to 200 pounds at this time. Like, she's not that big. It's just so, like, weird and, like, oh, God, like, kind of cringe to watch in through today's lens. But, um, so she goes on Howard Stern, and I've seen this clip, too, of him being like, you're, you're almost 300 pounds, right? And she's like, Jesus, Howard, no, you're way off. And, like, probably because he was. Probably, like over a hundred pounds off anyway with that she like you know kind of like uh falls under the pressure of society and is like all right time for me to lose weight and this is like during the whole weight loss whatever like weight loss in the 90s and to early 2000s like we all remember like it was just all about like being skinny 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 like pretty much pro eating disorder vibes and so with that came a lot of diet pills. And we all know this is when Anna signed the deal with Trim Spa. And I'm just going to like drop the audio here because, I mean, we all love it. Want to step into my reality? Then enter Trim Spa's million-dollar makeover challenge. Want a viper? Want some money? Want to play? Win a chance to party at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. Like my body. Then get dieting, exercising, and Trim Spa X32 and enter the million dollar makeover challenge. Trim Spa, baby. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, God, it's just so iconic. Like, I love how low budget they are, but, like, no one really gave a fuck about that. Everyone was, I remember being a kid and being, like, genuinely, <gasps> like, obsessed with how much weight she lost and being like, oh my God, she looks so hot. And she kind of had, like, that initial weight loss where they show her in that like pink dress and then she goes like the extra mile and she did more trim spa shit when she's like super tan and like fully like skinny but anyway apparently during this trim spa time like right when she was losing the weight she like had a really bad like dehydration spell and howard stern again not the radio host but like her weird boyfriend not boyfriend person his sister is apparently in her life sometimes and she is like oh my god Anna you're gonna die and Anna's like I know because she like was so dehydrated and like starving herself apparently and I didn't really like like the vibe of this Howard guy's sister she was like I saved Anna's life that night like I'm sure of it and it's like did you kind of like a you know crazy thing to take credit for but anyway she didn't die Trim Spa, unlike the reality show, really did kind of relaunch her career, which is kind of sad and, you know, eye-opening for the biggest reason being that, like, oh, we needed her to be super hot again in order to truly love her again, because that's what she was initially loved for in the first place. So it's kind of like all is forgiven and forgotten with that, like, embarrassing reality show. Like, when she's hot again, she's kind of relevant again and kind of just, like, in the spotlight again in the early 2000s and went from being kind of like a 90s sex icon to now being like an early 2000s sex icon and she's just kind of like invited to everything and always out and about and then she's in also kind of surprised it didn't feature this well, I guess they did a little bit but she's in Kanye West's music video for his new workout plan song which I love amazing cameo let's let's actually just drop the audio for that in here as well my name is Ella Mae from Mobile, Alabama, and I just want to say since listening to Kanye's workout tape, I've been able to date outside the family. I got a double wide and I rode a plane, rode a plane, rode a plane, rode a plane, rode a plane. Oh, just so good. Like, I mean, that's actually probably not her singing or speaking or whatever. Maybe it is, but I don't know. But she's definitely in the music video, and it's a great, great cameo, which then makes sense as to why she did the infamous introduction for him and this was at the billboard music awards i guess it was i thought it was for the vmas but no it was for the billboard music awards 2004 he's performing new workout plan so it makes sense for her to introduce him and when she comes in 
I'll just drop the audio again. I mean, sorry, like there's just there's just so many good clips. I just have to play it. You have to hear it from her. Like my body. I was honored to be on our next performer's new video. And if I ever record an album, I want this guy to produce my, make me beautiful duets. Cause he's freaking genius. Okay, so that is just like my remembering of Anna. Like that was a big, standout moment like I feel like that just was everywhere of like just how incoherent and like weird (laughs) that delivery was I mean it's pretty iconic but it's also a bit concerning the way she's like like she can barely spit it out it feels like but according to some people backstage and her driver who's also in the documentary that she became like very close with or he's like her driver slash assistant whatever she calls him momo he's like oh that was an act like she was fully in control like her delivery of that like when she got backstage like she knew what she was doing i'm like okay like wow like i mean if so then very convincing you know like slurred delivery however i think there was definitely some truth to that like she was not fully sober for that anyway that um little introduction really gave her some publicity too so like she was just kind of really like the new it girl again after like these random moments and uh at some point during this time enters larry burkhead as her photographer i mean i could go back in the documentary and see exactly photographer for what i'm not sure if they said it was kind of a you know unclear title he was given but really i don't even know how she found him he was basically being recruited to be her baby daddy and i think that was her on her own accord too like i think she was directing that um which is interesting because what i kind of gathered from that is like it was very you know reminiscent of her first marriage and her first baby daddy like she just kind of recruited a guy that who knows if she was like attracted to him or she just thought like oh like you'll do i can just like get pregnant with you and whatever And so they do. Apparently they're staying at some hotel, but they have separate rooms. It's just all very interesting. And now that I'm like saying this out loud, I'm thinking more and more like, was Anna Nicole Smith just like a full lesbian? And maybe she was either not aware of it fully herself or just like didn't really care. Who knows? But anyway, she gets pregnant with Larry, but doesn't tell people that it's Larry. Like whatever. Like he's really not like that involved in her life for that long, it seems. And she, like, ditches him. But then Larry just can't let it go. So he's, like, hitting her up all the time. And, you know, kind of just, like, where are you? Whatever. I don't know if he, like, is suspicious she's pregnant because she hasn't publicly announced it. But then she does. So that fuels Larry even more. And he's like, okay, you're fucking pregnant. It's my baby. And she's like, no, it's not. But she also doesn't say who the father is. She gives, like... It's funny, on the documentary, it's, like, AnnaNicoleSmith.com. It's, like, oh, my God, like, again, a reminder, like, before social media, like, wow, like, whoa. Imagine if Anna Nicole Smith had an Instagram or a Twitter. Oh, God, what a missed opportunity. It's so sad that she wasn't around for that, but also kind of crazy and just, like, nice to revisit this time celebrity and all that before that but it's weird how she had to make this pregnancy announcement on annanicolesmith.com like what did that website entail was it just like a blog but like did they really have blogs back then yeah they did yeah i think so so maybe that's kind of the format of what it was anyway she announces the pregnancy but she doesn't say who the father is and then she basically flees to the bahamas um to have the baby because there is a bahama law that they tell you about where whoever signs the birth certificate is the baby daddy which who knows how that came to fruition but kind of a bizarre law 
that's why they wanted to be there though and also during this time her son who now yeah i haven't really talked about the son but he's also kind of an afterthought for most of it until like this part sadly but like he's just like this very sweet kind of soft-spoken kid like you can tell like he was super awkward and embarrassed when that reality show was on that he was featured in. he was like the other locked in person to be on it besides howard and uh but things are kind of taking a shitty turn for him like not so good and he's getting into drugs and whatever which is kind of you know you'd imagine that was gonna happen at some point if your mom's fucking anna nicole smith and you don't have a father so not much guidance i would guess for her son daniel things aren't going so well people are concerned about him he like got hospitalized once i think for like I don't know if it was like mental or whatever but that was like right before they went to the bahamas to have the baby but then he gets it together to have or to be with his mom with anna during the birth when she gives birth in the bahamas so he flies there and she has the baby it's a little girl that she's always dreamed of it's just kind of i don't know yeah like in the documentary there's just this long uh you know storyline that she has where like she wanted a little girl pretty much right after having the little boy and it's just always she really just set out to do whatever the fuck she wanted to do and she really kind of accomplished it all which is crazy but um because again yeah like she got the babies in very unconventional ways like it was kind of like having a sperm donor without having a sperm donor she just like found a guy and then got rid of them but so she has the baby in the Bahamas then I think it's literally like the next day or I don't know if it's it's just way too soon after she gives birth her son literally dies in the hospital I believe or he gets rushed to the same hospital that the baby was born at in the Bahamas and dies and it's ruled later that it was an accidental overdose but a lot of people thought there was like foul play or that it was suicide or something either which way pretty goddamn tragic like whoa to like have a baby and then have your first baby die like that's pretty brutal like eek but um yeah so things are not looking good uh at that point and anna's just like super depressed and uh, as she should be you know like especially god if she was dealing with like postpartum could you imagine like yeah i mean like just so many hormones racing and so she's feeling pretty dark and especially because like it's also just an eye-opening to see like she really was so famous like i was aware of it but like there was like walls of paparazzi and again like this time before social media like she was kind of like an influencer before influencers for any you know gen z people watching now like she definitely had a chokehold on the media and just you know tabloid culture so they were all over like not only this new baby but also now her fucking first son has died her first baby and so that's pretty tragic so just adding fuel to like i'm sure the stress and horror of the situation there's this like wall of paparazzi out her outside her door in the bahamas and uh you know several months go by and it's just like she's very depressed and whatever and here's when the big plot twist comes in the documentary she's giving this um throughout the documentary she's kind of like not talked much about her childhood but just alluded to that it was really bad and she needed to get out of there and that jay howard saved her and that like oh there's so much trauma and so much horrible things happening and she finally gives an interview to i'm not sure who but they show clips of the interview and she's like saying that there was sexual abuse there was rape there was a lot of rape there was a lot of beatings and her mom would like uh you know cufflink her or handcuff her to a bed and beat her and it just seems awful and she seems extremely convincing but then cut to missy her friend from the strip club that she had the studio lesbian relationship with who was you know very close to her for very long she's watching this interview and she's like i know this is a lie because um this is my story she's like everything verbatim is what happened to me as a childhood and i told anna all these things and she's rattling them off to this reporter as if it's her and it's it's not oh also i skipped over a part which is also kind of sad and depressing she meets her biological father at some point and he also apparently tries to assault and 
have sex with her tries to whatever but he's just like a bad guy so like there's that trauma but then his son is also like oh i'm not sure if that happened because i was with them the entire time so with these two colliding things it's kind of like oh wait is anna nicole smith just like this huge liar because like what the fuck like um she's lied about like her childhood like whatever like apparently that's not what happened and like could she have potentially lied about that time when she met her biological father and he tried to rape her like it's kind of unclear now but like you would think based on the trajectory of her life that like those things were true because it seemed like she came from this broken home that was so sad and whatever but apparently not and then that's confirmed even further when they cut to a uh interview of her mother Virgie and her mom's like uh yeah we grew up in Houston in a three-bedroom house we weren't poor two-car garage like I was always working steadily money was not a problem and it was basically like yeah she her dad wasn't in the picture and like her and her mom had like some teenage angst type conflict but there was never anything really that bad and then they also cut to missy again saying that like revealing that she actually did have contact with her mother throughout her whole life even though she portrayed it as though she didn't have any family and she wasn't in contact with them and she just kind of had this like sad sad broken childhood and her mom's like she said it because she said she would make more money telling sad stories versus happy stories and that's kind of where they leave it but it's like what like i don't know it's also kind of makes me think like there is truth to that like as a culture we love to see that like rags to riches from a broken home to a glamorous life timeline in uh somebody's life story and i maybe anna just recognized that and was like oh i've got to be you know like this sad sad girl with this you know awful horrible backstory in order to you know truly be like the glamazon i want to become so that's really what she went with and it wasn't until later that it was revealed of what the truth was and i didn't fully even know that until i watched this documentary like i didn't realize that she grew up fine like i thought she had like a super broken home like just by assumption based on everything but that was not the case and so here we get to the saddest part where, as we all know, Anna Nicole dies in a Hard Rock hotel of a drug overdose on, in Florida, February 8th, 2007. It's just a really sad day. Like, ugh, like, she was on, I mean, she had been on so many pills for so long. I mean, I guess it probably honestly with the depression, because like, Lord knows her tolerance must have been through the roof. And then after she died, it was revealed that a lot of her prescriptions that were in her system and that were just with her weren't prescribed to her. A lot of them were uh, uh, that Howard, not Howard, yes, Howard Stern, but not, again, not the radio host, her weird boyfriend, Howard Stern. They were actually his. So her doctor that prescribed some other drugs as well as Howard were um, originally charged with crimes basically in like enabling her to have this overdose the doctor was fully acquitted and howard was convicted and i thought he like went to prison for it but then after watching this documentary i learned that i guess that was like thrown out and he never served any time so no one was really uh you know doing any time because of anna's death ultimately they confirm like her driver momo and so several other people confirmed that like yes like at the end of the day she was control in control of her life and she definitely you know uh it was her own doing and you know overdosing it wasn't you know necessarily anyone else pushing it on her she very much did that to herself sadly which you know kind of a very lana del rey story this whole thing and god I guess my final thoughts are is like it makes me wonder like why did Anna Nicole Smith want stardom so badly I mean I guess it could just stem from like not having a father figure and just biologically and craving that attention and just wanting the limelight because it made me think of Pamela Anderson's documentary and where like her timeline kind of does match up with what Anna was trying to create like Pamela 
was abused as a child. Her family, her parents, she saw them have the super toxic, horrible relationships, which then reflected some of Pamela's relationships. And, and very much Pamela fell into everything that she did far more than Anna did. And I kind of always thought Anna did. Whereas like Anna made much more of an effort to seek out these opportunities and to do all of these things. Whereas Pamela was full on just kind of offered them. So yeah, it made me realize that like Anna was like, way more calculated than I than I thought not necessarily in a bad way kind of in like a smart like Kim Kardashian business um woman kind of way like bitch kind of like knew what to do in order to like get people's attention and to make money whereas like in Pamela Anderson's documentary you see how uncalculated she is and how people kind of took advantage of her in a business sense and like she didn't make the money she should have made and that she kind of didn't own her own image that you know, maybe Anna Nicole Smith did. And yeah, I mean, so that's Anna Nicole Smith, you don't know me. Um, and in a nutshell, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd love to hear what you guys thought about this. You can DM me or eventually I'd love to start up. Oh, another thing I didn't mention in the beginning. I want to set up a hotline so people can call in. I can play hotline calls, hear your guys's feedback, hear about questions, also hear about what you guys want me to talk about all of that but um yeah I really don't know how to end this podcast that's another thing I'm gonna have to come up with maybe like a cute like signing off tagline but for now I hope you guys enjoyed R.I.P. Anna Nicole we love you bye bitches mm-hmm.